Hey there, this is Emily. And this is Rosa. Welcome to the Unchecked Podcast. We are two women from two different countries who will talk about living life in their late 20s. Hey everyone, welcome back to our latest episode. So today is actually a topic that me and Rosa are super excited to talk about, and it's imposter syndrome. So we're going to spend this time talking about what it means. Um, we're going to bring in some stats from US as well as abroad. We're going to share examples of how it showed up at school and in work, and then we'll share with you how we deal with and fight against the idea of imposter syndrome, and end it with how we've also helped and mentored other people along the way. So I'll have Rosa start us off with definition of what it means. Imposter syndrome is the idea that you only succeed due to luck and not because of your talent or qualifications. It was first identified in 1978 by psychologist Pauline Rosecrans and Suzanne Limes in their paper. After reviewing the research, Dr. Valerie Young, also author of The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women, discusses the different types of imposter syndrome. The perfectionists, those that have high expectations of themselves, that even small mistakes will make them feel like a failure, the superwoman or superman, they put in the long hours, the workaholics that never take days off, and they have to succeed in all aspects of life in order to prove that they are the real deal. The natural genius. They're used to things coming easily. They're gifted. So when something is too hard or they cannot master it right away on the first try, they kind of feel shame. Probably most of the people that used to be in the gifted program with me. <laughs> <laughs> The soloists, they don't like to ask for help. So when they do, they feel like a failure or a fraud. And the expert that continuously seek out additional certifications or trainings because they feel as though they would never know enough to be qualified. This is more quantified nowadays because social media has allowed us to connect to the whole wide world. And we see everyone not on their highs and lows, but just on the highs. We see the influencers, we see everyone getting a promotion, having kids, and it just makes us feel like we're not succeeding as much. Just to bring a statistics to this, in 2019, our research showed that about that for every 100 men brought onto teams and elevated to management, only 72 women experienced the same thing. Men hold 62% of manager-level positions, while women hold just 38%. And even though one third of the companies lean in, survey said gender representation targets the first level management roles, 41% of them didn't for senior levels of management. And despite the progress that has been gone in the boardroom, where diverse voices have been historically absent, women still don't have near equal representation. According to Catalyst data for 2019, women in the US held 26.1% of directorships, Add from 20.3%. So pretty much like four, like not even 6% more. In 2016, women in the UK fare is slightly better, holding 31.70% of dictatorships, add from 25.3%. But even the top rated country, which is France now, women only hold 44.3% of the directorships, add from 37.6% in 2016. Additionally, now we're not even talking about women of color, which are pretty much non-existent in corporate boards. Catalyst reports that fewer than 5% of U.S. corporate board seats are held by women of color, despite being 18% of the 
US population. The only bad woman to ever head up a Fortune 500 company as CEO was Xerox Ursula Burns, who left the company in 2016. And this is one of the reasons why we have imposter syndrome as women more than men. The lack of role models for marginalized communities especially has a major impact on making people feel like they do or don't belong in this corporate environment. Without this representation, there's no side of possibility of advancement. How they manage the realities of stereotypes, stigma, oppression in order to advance. And this is from Tema Brian Davis, a black psychologist and professor of psychology at Pepperdine University in California. So with all of this, Emily, tell us any experiences that you had with imposter syndrome and lack of confidence in your environment, maybe at work or in school? Yeah, first of all, amen, Rosa, to all the things that were said. I feel like as you were talking about Valerie Young's um, types of imposter syndrome, like particularly two called out to me. Um, So number one, I'm a major perfectionist. Uh, So... Oh yeah, yeah. It might. <laughs> Rose already knows by the how we work, but I feel like not. I have high expectations of myself, and then I also have high expectations from other people. But what I've found, um, I've let go a little bit more nowadays in my current job. But what I found was that when something goes wrong, or when something isn't perfect to the T, I often see it as a complete failure. Like I oftentimes look at the cons of this workshop or this program that we just led rather than like the 10 million other pros that came with all of that. The next one is also Superwoman and Superman. This was actually more relevant when I was working in agency life, uh, but I would like always pull in more work hours because yeah, I just like had to do more of research. And I, I thought that like be- putting in more hours just meant that I accomplished more. And so there was a little bit of that. So yeah, to your point, imposter syndrome has followed me throughout my entire life. I'm pretty sure that could be said to a lot of my friends out there as well. But I think it's, it's particularly hard, especially when you're starting out in a new industry. So when I first started out in agency, I think the first two years was okay because a lot of what I learned was not self-explanatory, but it was really easy to pick up and I felt like everything made sense. It wasn't until my last analytics job before I jumped into nonprofit, uh, I was working with a lot of numbers and also learning new platforms, um, especially like Datarama which is pretty easy. And then Power BI, which was another data analytics platform that I wasn't too familiar with. And I just felt imposter syndrome because I couldn't for a life of me, like figure out some of the, the, how to build the coding behind it and all of that. And so oftentimes I had to reach out to a lot of people in my team for support, but at the same time, everyone else is just like super bogged down. Um, so there were times when I would go to the client office and like support with this one project. And I literally felt like an imposter because I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Granted, I still came out with things, but at the same time, in my head, there would always be like uh, reminders or nudges in my head that I was doing this wrong or like it didn't make sense or like why am I in analytics? It just doesn't make sense to me. It also then followed with me when I first dropped into the nonprofit space, especially in education. So for some background, like almost uh, 80% or 90% of my company, they have graduate degrees in education. They came from that social justice space. I feel like I was just like a complete newbie. In addition, I was so focused on analytics that I did some public speaking, but it wasn't a majority of my job, which is what I do now. So I I work with a lot of partners. I do a lot of presentations. And so I would say within the first year, I was just so lost because one, I wasn't aware or familiar with the space. And then number two, especially with, you know, trainings and stuff, I felt like I wasn't doing the right thing. Like I would prepare scripts 
for every trading, which I still do now, but it would be like to the T. And then when things go haywire, I always blame myself because I said, oh, like, oh, damn, I should have researched X, Y, and Z, but dad didn't, I didn't do it. And so I feel like an imposter. Like I, well, who is me who hasn't, doesn't have a degree in education, like coming into this space um, and leading all these trainings. Uh, but I think like I grew from that, right? I think it just comes with experience it's just for me being able to learn from other people and then figure out what I need to do. And so I definitely don't have that now. Um, yeah, so it feels good. But I think like, even though I don't have that one in terms of the knowledge about the education space, I think I'm still like a professionist. And I'm just, I'm trying to find ways in which I get appreciated at my job more. And I'll talk a little bit about later when we talk about tips and actually get my uh, work done and and shown to the leadership rather than just being humble. Because I feel like a lot of us love to be humble. Like we just crunched in a hundred hours of work and then we just flip it off like oh yeah that you know that program that was fine like that project wasn't that hard even though we literally like blood sweat and tears literally tears came into it so that american yeah. overworking culture <laughs> did not be but said I'm just at saying, all. Like, especially a lot of women they just like are so humble like don't be humble think of yourself as a mediocre white man and pitch the shit out of yourself because that's what you need to do to succeed in the workplace yes yeah, snaps to that yeah, so Rosa, like, I guess, how is it for you when, when you navigate it, especially tech workplaces and things like that? Well, for me, like, I think out of all the different types uh, that we just aforementioned, I would say definitely natural genius. I was in the gifted program in Florida, to be mm-hmm. fair. So, you know, it was like being the smartest of the dumb. <laughs> but yeah, like, I school came really easily for me. Like, I when I moved to the United States, I already kind of sort of spoke English for the most part so I didn't really had like the hard time of learning it and languages came easily to me so I went from like ESO classes where which are like this classes that you like it's kind of like a program that you're put uh when you don't speak the you don't speak English uh and they moved me from there to gifted so with all the really smart kids and I was just like, well, you know, like they don't, I went to private school in Peru and they don't teach you, like I was already like two years ahead on everything, you know, on other subjects. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty easy for me. So I just coast by and then college came and it hit me like a ton of rocks, right? Because I was like, shit, like I didn't know how to study. Like, I don't really feel like my high school prepared me for college. And also like, you know how we have affirmative action and my school was very mixed. My high school was very, like, we have a lot of minorities because, duh, we're in Miami. But also, like, you know, there, it was middle class neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of white people too. And there was a lot of, like, animosity sometimes that I felt because it's like I got into a university that everybody wanted to get into. And people were like, well, you got there because you're Latinx, you know, you got there for affirmative action. And at first, like, it was like, bitch, I'm number four in this class. Like, what are you talking about? You know, like, you could see my curricula. I like literally the captain of everything and done everything. So I don't know what you're talking about. But it did kind of stuck with me, you know, that like, oh, yeah, I'm being a little bit of help to go ahead, you know, because every time that I went somewhere, it w- I was just the one of right. my kind kind of thing, right? And it stuck with me for the rest of my life. So then when I went to college, it was freaking hard because I I major in computer science and literally no one looked like me. Like everyone, you know, was Asian or white and they were mostly dudes. And I kind of like try to find my little like sisterhood. And we're like three other girls, you know, like I would like stuck with them all the time. One of the reasons why I joined a sorority too, just to have some women around me. But 
it just felt lonely right because i felt like and i still have this problem to this day like i am not gonna i don't i'm not against like being the loudest person you know like i hate the fact that we live in a world where only the loudest is heard i want to live in a world where softness is okay as well you know you can live by you can you can lead mm -hmm. by being soft too right like if everybody respects other people and take their 30 seconds of time it would be so much better so yeah so during college like it was really hard to impose myself you know and be like no it's my time to speak or no i want to get this assignment right like kind of fight with the guys because i feel like i don't know what happens with be growing up as a woman as a girl but it's just like we are not like men are just like oh yeah i'm the best i can do this i can do that and then they cannot do shit and as girls most of us are like no i'm not that good like i can only do this i can only code in python i don't know anything else and then you freaking are like amazing at java like we're so freaking humble like you said and it's so freaking annoying too because it's like you have to know how to play the game you know sometimes right Do you think how some of it is also cultural? Like, I know you mentioned before that your family is more matriarchal, so you have really strong women in the family. But curious to know if it impacted how you approached situations, like, as a woman growing up. Yeah, definitely. Especially because I never, I have never seen my grandma scream at a person. It's just, like, the type of respect that she commands. She could just look at you a certain way and you knew to shut the hell up, you know? <laughs> so... It's just, I have never, like, had to deal with that, like, machismo mentality of, you know, like, screaming over other people. And I'm not saying, like, all male, mo like, you know, that if there's only, mostly or only males, it's going to be this way. But this is, like, what I had to live with, you know? So, right, right. it was hard, but I got used to it in a bit, you know, like, being one of the guys sometimes. I mean, I do, I, like, I do like rugby i play rugby in college like i do like sports and like you know i'm i don't think like just because you like sports you're like you know like i don't really gender is not something that is like that you know like black and white to me but anyway so back to imposter syndrome i felt like a fish out of water and that carry to going when i started working because even though i was in city Latin in america like I kind of felt like, okay, well, you know, like, damn, Latin, City Latin America is so white. Like, you know, there's so many white Latinx and they don't even, like, acknowledge their, you know, kind of, uh, what should I call it, like, privilege in a way. And so it was hard to be, like, the only Native American there. And, like, sometimes they will say things like, mejorando la raza and things like that. And it just made me feel like, well, am I, um, do I really belong here, you know? Like, maybe mm -hmm. I shouldn't be here. Like, and it's... Uh, I don't know. I just felt like maybe this is not my place. And then when I moved to New York, it was even harder because there was literally no one like me. No one spoke Spanish. The only person that spoke Spanish in my building in Wall Street was a lady that cleaned the, the floors. And I was best friends with her. She made really good coffee. Like we were homies, you know, like mm -hmm. I spoke to her almost every day. And it was very interesting to like get to speak to someone in Spanish that wasn't my parents because that I literally stopped speaking Spanish altogether. Coming from Miami, it was such a culture shock. And it really made me feel like I'm going to live my life as a unicorn, right? Like this is it. Like I'm just here trying to fit, like trying to make my kind of statement in the world and that's why i have to be perfect because if i'm not then everybody's gonna think that all latinx are stupid you know i have people right, right. told me in my face that they were like well you know what now i know that latinx people 
are not like always late and they're really smart because you're smart like and it was and at first like I took it as like okay well that's a compliment I guess I don't know now I mean I know that it's like condescending as fuck but at that time I was like wow like you don't even know any of us I, I felt like I am have to like you know represent like all Latinx in the United States and it was like a lot so it was too much pressure to be perfect pretty much so everybody can see us as what we are hardworking people and always saying yes to all the assignments staying there all night because I work all the time you know especially in New York so it it was hard but I think that I kind of got used to it to be like the best because I felt like the only way that I can be in this in this room is if I was the best. And even to this day now, almost everyone is a white male. And it's, and I just like, wow, like it's literally just me sometimes. And I feel like nowadays I have turned it from, oh my God, I have to be the best because of this to, no, I am the best because they ought to get to be here by being mediocre. But the only way that I get to be here is because I am amazing. Kind of like, you know, like, uh, have you ever watched Scandal when the father talks to uh, the main protagonist and he's like, you have to be twice as good. You have to be twice as fast. You have to be twice as smart. That's literally how it is. And my dad kind of gave me the same speech, right? Like when I left to New York, he was like, they're going to eat you alive. You have to make sure that you know how how amazing you are just to be there and it's kind of like uh i go back from being super confident to being like fuck what am i doing (laughs) (laughs) but yeah well thanks for sharing all that rosa that's like snaps to that i think uh, as a woman right many of the challenges are the same but i would say like especially for asians we as we mentioned in previous episodes like we have more positive stereotypes attributed to us right so we don't really necessarily have to prove anything because we're assumed that oh they're good at math they're good at like being efficient they're good at x y and z while we don't have the negative stereotypes as you mentioned to let that next folks um as you do but i think like the issue with our population is that like we are stereotyped in the way that we we are quiet like we're submissive we're we'll listen we're not creative right so uh, to your point when you talked about the stats it's like a lot of asians are promoted to middle management but then they don't really go above that because we're not seen as someone that could actually lead or take up space or think up creatively outside the box because i i think some of us assume that we're robots and we just do this and then we're good. That's so true. Actually, I talked to Wonji about that, about the bamboo ceiling, I think that's called. Yes. And it's mm-hmm. very interesting because in tech, even though we have a, a huge population of Asians, like, we, you know, they're they're like, I think after white people, the, the biggest minority, actually so much so that they're not even considered a minority in tech. They're pretty much heavy in the, they're, they're middle management heavy, middle management. but you yeah. don't see them, you know, like, how come all of these CEOs, like Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, like, they're all white men, you know? Right. We're, we're not seen as powerful enough or we're too submissive, I think. There was an instance where we were in a conversation and I just didn't feel like a certain topic was necessarily brought up. And so one of my managers or upper management, we sat in a room and they're like, oh, I think it's because of your culture and you're an Asian woman but i think you need to speak up more <laughs> it's like i'm ready to piece the fuck out of this company like oh my god that was unnecessarily said like also i didn't feel it was appropriate but when an asian is silent it's because they're submissive and or they're just quiet and that's it like i just i, I hate that stereotype put onto us exactly because people just assume things right 
they just are waiting for you to just uh, kind of validate those stereotypes they have of you. And it's actually very interesting because uh, that you now that we're talking about the Asian um, point mm-hmm. of view of things, because like, for example, Ellen Powell was the CEO of Reddit and she had such a huge backlash. Like I read Reddit every day and I almost didn't even want to go there because it was so bad. And it was like a mixture of, you know, her being nation and her being a woman. And it was too much for all the, you know, simps that are fill the our that go to reddit every day to handle and then it's just like the additional thing i mean we could talk about this forever but like we'll, we'll promise we'll move on but the additional thing is like as a woman right like how how can i not be bitchy but also command the room it's like i'm loud and i and i have these thoughts but because i'm not a man they're not seen as commanding yeah definitely i think even by the way that they talk you know like or like the way that they say things like for example here um in france i think they have a huge sexism problem like sometimes they don't even know how to talk around women you know like they say things that are like okay this is not a gentleman's club this is literally work what are you talking about why are you saying these things and actually my my boss was actually like i like the way that you stand up for yourself I wish that you didn't have to. I have three daughters and I hope that when they grow up, it doesn't have to happen because sometimes you just like literally like, okay, right. so what do you mean by that comment, right? Like sometimes I just, just talking back to them, like I get it, you know? I Sometimes I say things and nobody listens to me, right? And then somebody else says the same thing and they are like, oh my God, that's such a good idea. And I'm like, I yeah. just said that like freaking five minutes ago. Right. And it really sucks because then it's like it just feels like people take your ideas. It's like, why the hell should I even speak up if they're not going to listen? So there's a lot to that. Like, it's kind of like that. We it's not that sometimes it's kind of like not that we lack confidence. It's kind of like it gets shipped at us. It gets taken from us. Right. And like in tech, yes, it happens a lot to women. But I just in I think that like from for for example, 58 percent of tech companies uh the, from, the people from tech companies say that they suffer from imposter syndrome like i have friends from no walks of life from all genders who have suffered from imposter syndrome in tech and i think it's because we come into a new job and we're already supposed to know everything right and like all of us were like our high achievers right where we did really well in school and things came easily for us. And now coming into a new environment and you don't know anything, it's hard to humble yourself, but you have, you have to ask questions. Yeah, so to pivot a little bit, Rosa, so what are the things you're doing to fight against it or things that you're doing at work or, t- or tips you want to share with the audience? Okay, so first tip is that I used to have such difficulty when people used to praise me right and it was really bad because for my last company i should have gotten paid way better but i never like brag about myself right and you kind of have to when you are in your one-on-one with your boss and your boss tells you hey the sun shines because of you you can tell them yeah it does literally you wouldn't be able to do anything without me right take a compliment because Every single thing that they tell you, if you say something against yourself, they're going to bring it back to you in your one year uh, yearly performance, you know, leaning on others, ask questions. I mean, like I said, in tech, we don't like to ask questions, but I mean, actually we do. I feel like ask questions, ask questions like 
don't ruin everything. Just ask questions because you know you can comment something out. You can do something that completely ruins everyone's code. So do not ask questions. Sit next to people. Like honestly, like I think that one of the things that helped me a lot, especially after my second company, because I only work for two companies in my whole entire life. So my second company, like what helped me a lot is that I was very humble. Moving to France humbled me a lot, right? Like, this is another type of, I feel like, wow. uh, um, kind of like uh, imposter syndrome because I, w- I was an immigrant twice over and I'm not even 30 yet, right? So every single time I moved somewhere else that I didn't speak the language, it was like starting from the new. I didn't know anything. So it's just like, oh, here I am, the stupid American that doesn't know anything. So I came from a place of humbleness and asked questions like, oh, should I code this? Should I not? So ask questions. Don't compare yourself to others. I feel like a lot of my friends, especially lately, they have like taken down their social media because they they cannot see like, you know, that it affects them too much, especially now that like I'm going to be 30. Like all of my friends are hitting 30 milestones like all this year. It's like too much to look around. And it's like, oh, I don't have kids yet. And I'm married. To me, like it's different because I have lived my life like those horses in the track. Mm-hmm. I don't look around. I just look ahead. Right. I am so self-absorbed that I do not give a shit what anybody else does. Like, I swear to God. People tell me like, oh, yeah, uh, like, bitch, I live in Paris. I do not care. (laughs) You know, like, I do not care what you do in that little town in Florida. I do not care. But good for you. Like, seriously, openly, with all my heart. Good for you. But if that really affects you, if you really compare yourself to others, erase everything. You don't need Facebook. You don't need especially now you do not need facebook don't don't even download it on your phone right now take it out of your phone actually for your uh-huh. own good or <laughs> not only for- or on like instagram you could just follow like puppies and cats exactly <laughs> like seriously like you don't need to compare yourself to others and that's literally what that's those are my tips what about you emily yeah i so i'm not gonna add more because i think those are really great tips but i'll just like add upon what you just said rosa I think like difficulty accepting praise is a huge one for me. Like I, I, I still get awkward now, but I, when people give me praise, especially at work, I just be like, oh, thank you. Yeah. Like that was hard, right? That was challenging. I did do this, you know, while of course ask, telling the people that support me throughout the process. Number two, recognize and celebrate your success. I think that's a huge one. My tip is that like, if you've accomplished a huge project or something that you led, always, always share back. Like what are the performance indicators? Like what did you do? What came out of the reports that came out of it? Or like how many people did you did you train? How many students did you serve? So I'm just like, this is just for my work. But like put those numbers, put it in an email and send it to your boss. Not even your boss, but your boss's boss, so that they know that you just did and spent like slaved all these hours to do this one project. That, like, especially it's really important too, but also it's important to know how good your team is. Like, luckily at my current job, I have like an amazing support team. So my director is amazing. She would always like vouch for me in conversations with leadership. So that's really how it gets passed through. But if you have more of a like inactive manager, then it's your your part and your job to manage up and share these numbers with them in hopes that they could also share it with leadership. So that's number one. Um, or number two. And then like, also you don't have to say yes to everything. Like I, I feel like being the perfectionist, being the go-to person, sometimes we say yes to support people when in fact we should focus those efforts on supporting ourselves. Like, so for instance, if I'm supporting this other person on their main project and they eventually get, 
the title and lead for it, I don't have time to work on my main projects that I'm leading, right? That minimizes your own time in a 40-hour workday. So say no. I think it's it's hopefully getting normalized in the industry. I know it might be like more difficult in corporate, but at least for my job, like I've learned times where I'm like, oh no, I can only do this one thing for three. I have three hours this week. That's it. Like I can only afford that. So you'll have to figure out um, somewhere else to go to, to like do it or you have to do it yourself because it, it's important to be precious and to be able to manage your time. And then uh, this also really goes on to Rose's point about leading on others, like ask questions, figure out where you can delegate your work. I mean, I know it's hard, especially like if you're a coordinator or an assistant and not a manager role. But figuring out like where can you actually breathe so that you could focus on your priorities at work. And then um, to compare yourself to others, to your point, Rosa, like that's still hard for me. Like I am still on Instagram. Like sometimes I'm on Facebook, but not as much. But it's hard when you have all these milestones that people are hitting. And granted, like I think it's sometimes so hard because you see all these milestones, but never do we really see the background and the work and the context behind it, right? Which makes a difference because if you don't see that, all you see is like, oh, that person spent 200K on this house. Damn, they amassed that, that much money. But maybe we not, might not have seen, oh, they had to work 100 hour weeks. You, They had to give up all these XYZ things to get this house. So well, most likely in America, their parents were wealthy and oh, they, kind yes, of, they have the house for them. Come on, let's be real. Now. Right, exactly. Or that, right? And so it's just like, I'm learning this now. I'm saying this to you all, but I'm still running into that pit too. But the idea is like, yeah, num- numbers is so quantified. I was thinking about this this morning. I'm like, because numbers are so quantifiable, that's the only thing we could compare against. And so it becomes this cycle of continuous imposter syndrome. Um, so trying to let go a little bit of that. And you know what's crazy? Like just moving from this point is that there's there have always been people in my life that they have kind of shown me the way, right? Like this is the first time that I have had a male boss. Before that, I had two female bosses that were like badasses, each of them on their own right. And they have taught me a lot. And I really hope that those things are being passed down to now my interns. So it's very interesting how like we kind of have this torch that we're carrying, right? And kind of like when people say, oh, the opening the ceiling, right? sometimes it seems like oh such a crazy Mm -hmm. metaphor that is like "Mm, i don't know if that applies but i really do think that we kind of with our example of the things that we do and actually like showing by example is the best way right like like my my bosses just for being there taught me so much about the way that they handle situations maybe handle people and their comments and always gave themselves their place right and so i have learned that and i always I try to treasure it and I try to do the same with my with my now interns. Yeah, that's awesome. When you talked about bosses, I would say like bosses that had most impact for me was definitely uh, my last job before I moved to nonprofit and then also my current job. So obviously in analytics, it's more male dominated, but my manager was female and she was just like straight to the point, like a badass bitch um, and did all these things. So I learned from her in that way in which she, like she approached conversations and, mm-hmm. was, and was just like very direct. She was like, what is this? Like, I don't understand. Right. Without letting all those like politics or male, female behaviors get in the way. Um, but even like my current job, Oh man, I would just say like our team is a group of like badass like badass women. And no, like nonprofit is more like heavily female dominated, but like my CEO is also badass. Like everyone in the organization is great in their own way. 
And so I learned constantly from my director, my manager, in terms of like how to approach it, right? Like adding a little bit of that confidence from what she said in this one conversation, adding a different way to approach it from that conversation and like kind of building in how I am, why I am today. And yeah, I think a lot of it is just like, you just got to (laughs) flex or you just gotta, you gotta, gotta BS through until it shows that you actually know what you're doing. Like granted, like a lot of, a lot of us do, but I'm just saying like, sometimes it's just believing and affirming yourself that you know this shit and if you don't you don't right you can just follow up in a future conversation it's not like you have to be perfect all the time lose that confidence from that exactly and you know what's interesting i think that a lot of this uh confidence issues comes with like this scarcity mindset that we have you know that we always think that like you know everything is lacking knowledge like we don't have enough of things and I think that is also tied down with individualism because instead of like relying in everyone, relying in your team, whoever you work with, you kind of feel like it falls on your shoulders only, right? When in reality, it falls on everyone's shoulders. So you have to always think that way, that there's no one that can do everything by themselves. And so not only the praise goes for everyone, but also the blame. Mm -hmm. So don't think that you ruin everything. At the end of the day, we're just like small peas in a pot. There's no way that I'm going to take down a multi-million dollar, like, you know, corporation just by myself. Just even if my one mistake, you know. So like, don't be so hard on yourself. And also like, speak up. I know it's hard, but like recently I, we had a end of the year conversation with my boss and we all talked. It was not only me, but it was like everyone in my team. And we all sat down and talked about like how we feel moving forward. And literally at the end of the meeting, I barely said two words. And at the end of the meeting, my boss was like, do you have something to say? And I was like, okay, look, I am tired of having the same people talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Like I have never had to deal with this before in the United States, but you guys have like go off on monologues forever and don't let anybody else talk. Wait, did you right? say that in the comment? Did you actually say that? Yes, oh, yes. Shit. And like my boss was shocked because honestly, like no offense, but French people do love to hear themselves talk. Oh my God. And so I was just like, it's very interesting that just at the end of the conversation, you want me to say something. It's like, what is there to say that, I mean, this is, wouldn't be a conversation anyways. The conversation goes back and forth, right? Right, right. Like, so why would I just hear your monologues and now I get to sprinkle one sentence so you can say that I spoke? Well, this was a performance review with a few other people on your team, not just you and your manager. No, it wasn't really a performance review. It's just for us to talk about how can we improve. And I told them like, how we can improve is that we can set up a way that we can speak on like about each other. And then my supervisor was like, well, if you have something to say, why don't you like, why don't you say it? Like, do you mean interrupt? Because you guys, the only thing you guys do is interrupt each other endlessly. And this is not a conversation that I'm used to, right? Like, there's no reason you should talk more than 30 seconds. Like, especially if it's a back and forth, we're like kind of like, and we're like just saying ideas, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. we is this is a brainstorming. Why are you holding us hostage with your ideas? Yeah, Rosa. How do they respond? They were shocked. It's like, if you cannot convey your ideas in 30 seconds, then you don't have a good idea. So I went off on them. And then my 
poor little intern, she looked cute. Like, she was like, yeah, I agree to what Rosa is saying because she didn't say anything either. And then two other guys were like, yeah, that's true. Like, I'm just like, yo, like, I, I live, I pretty much, like, live in a world of kindness. I, you know, lead with softness. I don't understand why we're adults and people cannot have, like, restrain themselves. Yeah, maybe you should do, like, a, we, so we have this thing at the org now. It's called, it's like, two by two mm-hmm. feedback. No. Have you heard of that? So it's like um it's basically feedback you can give to your manager and manager can give to you, right? Because usually it's top down. Yes. Your manager just gives you feedback. Okay, you just take as it is. But two by two by feedback. So it allows the employee to basically give feedback on how the supervisor is managing. So you give like two things that you're doing well and two things you can improve on. And so that gives um a foundational conversation. Like I don't know how it works in France, but it's it's really helped me and my manager and also me and the peers I work with that like me, like my other managers that I'm working on projects with because it's just like okay here's this conversation we can both have about how we can both improve our working relationship oh that's good like for us like we just set up a meeting so we can review how we set up meetings <laughs> I so, so extremely meta like you know French style but I mean okay. it works for them and I mean it works for me because now I literally has like man your time is up next and I love it. Like, they look at me like, Ugh. I was like, you know what? My world is here. Your world is almost over. So, <laughs> uh, so to wrap it up, like, so are there instances where you've helped or mentored other people? So I know we mentioned people mentoring us, but how about the other way around? Well, just my intern, like her seeing me fight these people, <laughs> wipe the floor with them. But more often than not, I think just, you know, just being there. Actually, people have messaged me about how they don't feel so alone because like I talk especially on my insta I talk a lot about being in tech and being a woman Mm. and being a latinx and being a unicorn which I call that's what I call myself and unique and magical and so they say that it aspires them you know inspires them like when I was in high school when I was in college like you know like someone that was a year after me messaged me and there was they said that I was the only reason or one of the reasons that they graduated because they really thought that I was like damn if this dumb bitch can do it I can do it too <laughs> I'm just kidding <laughs> but you know what you know what I mean like yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. you never see yourself there if you never see someone like yourself right you never think like yo like I can do it too because honestly it's not rocket science like nothing is rocket science well besides rocket science you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like you can learn everything if you break it down to things that if you i think that you can do anything in the world that you want to if you set up yourself for success it's all about mindset exactly you have to set yourself like i always tell you that like i only fight winning battles because i only set myself up for success if that means like waking up earlier to be set up to know what is gonna go go down you know to do that extra course on redux so i can know what is gonna happen what the changes are gonna make you know i just want to be in the know so it's good to set up your for your success it's good to always kind of be on your toes but at the same time don't be hard so hard on yourself be be tough but not so hard i'm trying to work on that too because i'm very hard on myself but but back on that yeah i just i think that back on the whole um how do you have uh help others i think that just leading by example you know seeing that i can do it you know if i can do it anybody can do it you know if like this this messy bitch can do it then (laughs) it can't be so hard after all (laughs) that's hilarious what about you emily (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, it honestly, is just like I have a lot of one-on-one conversations with friends, and then we just talk about things that happen at work. Mm-hmm. And so, not that I coach them, but I'm just like, okay, let's think about this objectively, like logically. What can you do if you're stuck in this situation? Like recently, one of my friends was saying that she just feels very like stressed out at work because she's just so do she's doing so much, but sometimes like she doesn't know like how she should approach it. And granted, this is like less about imposter syndrome, but just like feeling that she could speak up and do something about it. And so I just recommend like, hey, you have all these projects that your director doesn't respond to you on. Just reach out to her, have a 15 minute check-in like, and just try it out and see if it, it works. And so she did it and she's like, wow, Emily, that was easier <laughs> than I thought it would be. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes you just got to ask and reach out. And I think it's hard for her example because she works at an org where it is, they're more stifled and like they're more traditional in the sense where like it's kind of hierarchical and oral like really bad communication that happens between companies but another one and i'm gonna give a shout out to her uh so she actually switched jobs it's still in the same uh, hospital so she's a nurse and i basically helped her helped her along with the other few people to like negotiate her salary so she got like how much was it like a 20k pay bump or something around those lines because i was just saying like dude you're going to this new job you already worked this year's in this old one you should definitely negotiate because they give her what just a standard offer and i was like dude ask for more because you just definitely deserve it and then she got it so she did that and she also did a lot of other things related to her personal life that like we've talked about for so long but i'm glad she's making moves And then now she's seeing other people make the same mistakes she had. So she's like helping them have those conversations and like level up. So I think it's just like amazing because it's all around boosting everyone's confidence, having a candid conversation. I think number one important thing is like no judgment, right? Everyone does this at their own pace. Honestly, like I wasn't as confident as I am Mm -hmm. now when I was in high school or college, (laughs) but like, you just gotta just be confident in yourself. Know that you are the best person you are. You're doing the best you can. And you'll level up eventually. Everyone is at their own timelines. Exactly. Because we, when you outlive others, you outlive yourself too. Oh, oh my god. This was like such an amazing episode. I'm so glad we got to talk about it. Me too. And with that note. <laughs> and with that note, um, thanks everyone for listening. I hope you got... Or some of these like stories resonated with you. I, you could probably hear from me and Rosa. We were like super passionate about talking about all these examples. If you have any of your examples of your own, feel free to drop it down as a comment. And with that, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.